Welcome to The 90s Sucked. A podcast about the 90s and how they sucked. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Chad Wild. Hey everybody, welcome to the least anticipated podcast of the week. What? No, that's not. Welcome to Good Luck America. Welcome to the 90s suck, chat. Oh, this isn't what's your problem? This is the 90s fucking suck. But the 90s were pretty all right. Oh, were they? Yeah. What other decade were they giving out free internet in the mail? That's a good point. That's right. No catching up this week. Let's just get right the fuck into it. We are talking this week about those fucking AOL discs. Both in the uh, three and a half floppy form. Floppy format at first, of course. And the uh, CD-ROM. They don't don't add ROM at the end of anything anymore. That's because no one fucking uses them. Like, oh, I just got a CD. I don't have a CD-ROM. Like, remember when bands, like, if you buy, like, this version of the CD, it also has the music video on it if you put it in your computer. Yeah. That, that was, was just, all... like, the grainiest fucking version of the music video. Yeah. I never gave a shit about any of that. All of the, like, b- because that was a big thing. So, you're right. CD-ROMs were a huge thing. Did you ever uh, use the encyclopedias, uh, which is, like... You would have to put in a disc for like each fucking letter, like A through C would be on disc one. Like there's the master program, but if you're like, I want to look at zebras, it's like put in disc 17. No, I didn't because we, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but I didn't, I didn't even have a computer until sometime in the two thousands. I grew up very poor. So I didn't like, I had friends who had computers and had like, fucking cd-rom encyclopedias but i never had any of that shit oh man you're missing out i was playing command and conquer and red alert every fucking day after school off my cd-rom i do remember playing red alert somewhere i think maybe my cousin had a computer i'm gonna make a note on that right now i bet i would enjoy playing red alert oh i feel like you definitely would (laughs) fuck you i feel like that's somehow a slight yeah yeah it sure is so we're talking in particular about those AOL CDs, which people have to, if you were alive in the 90s, you saw one of these discs somewhere. And if you weren't alive in the 90s, but have helped your family move at any point in the 2000s, you found them behind a couch right. or somewhere. They were literally everywhere. And it was a free disc. It was a, a disc that AOL sent out that gave you a certain... Uh, amount of free internet yeah use. one thing that wasn't addressed in the notes that i can remember vividly like in like fifth and sixth grade you'll get discs that are like 10 free hours of internet 15 free hours of internet and then as time went on like a year later it's like 25 hours and then like the dvds or the cd ROMs start coming out it was like 50 free hours and then once you like finally are like oh i have high speed internet now like once that finally came to town aol would be like here's a thousand free yeah. hours of internet so please don't go to time warner like still pay for our because aol how do you explain this it's like uh the internet within an internet like they want yeah. you to use their it's not just like gmail email like they, they want to use their email but 
but there were websites built for AOL and websites built for the rest of the internet. And you would have like AOL profiles. It's like the er, kind of the earliest form of Facebook is AOL profiles. I was just going to say, it's kind of what Facebook is trying to get back to being. Facebook does not want you to leave Facebook. Right. And And AOL wanted you to use the internet on AOL and Facebook wants essentially the same thing. That's why when people are like, how come if I post my video directly to Facebook, it gets a lot of views, but if I post the same video that's just a YouTube link on Facebook, like only three people see it because Facebook rewards content that you can absorb on Facebook. Right. Basically what AOL was is what Facebook wants to be. It's the one place where you check your email, you do everything that you do on the internet, you do it on content AOL. And the way they built their audience was direct mail, which was the original DM, right? (laughs) AOL slide into our DMs, (laughs) default sound effects. And so this was the early 90s, the dawn of the fucking internet. And I know there are internet enthusiasts who will go, it's been around since it shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? This is the dawn of the internet. And AOL is competing with companies like CompuServe and MSN, I think, was probably close to launching around then. And AOL's competing with all of these other upstart companies to become people's internet service of choice. And CompuServe and everyone else is doing television commercials and all the all the most modern shit you can do to advertise to people. And AOL, on the other hand, comes up with a crazy idea. Let's use direct mail marketing. As a quick aside, I also think of the choices, AOL had the best name. Yeah. The AOL for short... But America, I don't, do you want to be a part of CompuServe? What the fuck's CompuServe? Or if you're just, you know, whatever average American, oh, America Online, that's where I as an American get the internet. Yeah, I, I actually read that. I don't, it was some AOL executive who brought that up, and he said not, on, like, not only AOL, but there was also MSN and CompuServe. And with America Online, it I think he's right in that it conveys more of a customer focus thing because we're America, whereas... MSN, which is Microsoft Network and CompuServe is just a stupid name. Like, it made the most sense. Yeah. Yeah, that little buddy icon guy. And it, yeah, and the, the name uh, is kind of, it's, the name is what they're doing. It's getting America online. So it's, uh, it's understandable that people responded to the name the way they did. And The idea to use this direct marketing campaign, all of the credit goes to a woman named Jan Brandt. A woman getting credit in the 90s? Crazy, right? In tech, no less. Oh, shit. Right? Man, she had dirt on somebody to get ahead. (laughs) Uh, Her name was Jan Brandt. In 1993, she floated the idea of sending potential customers a disc in the mail, which we mentioned earlier, floppy disc at first, then a CD. And it included a free trial of AOL internet service with the idea being that once the trial expired, people would sign up and use free service. Did you ever use one of these discs? I used so many of these discs. I created so many accounts and canceled and then just like that was my way of getting around it with my parents. My dad worked for the electric company and he was always on call. So we were 
until maybe we got high-speed internet, like in right before I graduated. But I could only use the internet when my dad was at work because the phone always had to be free. And at the time of dial-up, there may there were like some technologies that you could buy, like have a disruptor, but my dad didn't trust it. So we could only be on the internet when he was at work or called out to work. Hmm. So that's, but I could like just fucking. But you had an endless stockpile of AOL Oh, there were so, but there was no shortage. I used to like daydream about being able to use them because that would mean I had a fucking computer at home and uh, I was like the cool kids, but I was not. We got a family computer for Christmas and I guess it would have been 97, 98. And it had, I think it cost like $2,000 and it had 1.56 gigabytes of memory. Hell yeah, dog. That's yeah. that's some songs. That's where like some songs. Yeah, on that's that. why when you had to play games, like you downloaded the core part, but you always had to have like the CD ROM in or switch the CD ROM for a different part of a game. Like good games came on like four discs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, I never fucked with uh, CD ROM games really because I just I didn't have a computer. But I remember these discs. They were everywhere. And is is other people in high school got on like one of the most popular things to do with AOL I mean I was 7th 8th ninth grade was you would you know talk to your friends in school and then you would go home and then you would go on the internet and then you'd chat over instant messenger and like look at each other's profiles and stuff it's just kind of interesting that that's what humans like like now we know social media and how how pervasive it is in our lives but even then like that's the thing that was interesting or fucking around chat rooms chat rooms at the time, because you didn't, you didn't have to have your name or picture or anything. Like right. you had, you had screen names, you know. Um, well, so, well, yeah, because the we'll talk about it a little bit on the next episode, and I don't want to give away yet what that's about. But the internet was supposed to cure all of our evils and bigotries and things of that of, nature, because of we would have all this access to knowledge. And how could you hate your fellow man or do bad toward? Uh, your fellow human being, knowing that uh, we're all the same. Those ideas we were well-meaning and too optimistic and had a lot of undesired, unintended Boy, did they. But we'll get to it. Um, I also got banned from AOL, and I had to explain that to my parents because they locked out our entire account because I used swear words in a chat room. Oh, what were they? I think I called someone a bitch, and I got reported <laughs> for harassment. <laughs> Fucking bitch! Yep. What a I, I bitch. Didn't say fuck. I just called somebody a bitch. Fucking But it was my third strike, so I don't ass remember what the other motherfucker. Yeah, and then and then you go in AOL chat rooms. This was when Napster was first a thing. And you maybe it was no, it's pre Napster. You you go to different style like like the rock MP three room or, or classic music MP three, whatever. And then they would different chat rooms like the moderator would have his own mp3 list and then he'd send it to you and then the chat room you use like whatever the code is to pick it up like uh request uh item c17 like off his email list it's almost like a karaoke list and then he would email you the mp3 but that's getting way into the internet i mean even though it's still not like the 90s but yeah that like at this point in aol history we're, we're going back to early 90s yes we're talking 1992 like before most people, well, 93 is when the campaign started. Yeah, 92. my familiarity kicks in around 97. Yeah. 92 is when Jan Brandt has this idea. And this is a quote from her. It was my absolute belief that you could not send someone a package in the mail. And I don't mean an envelope. I mean a package envelope. that you could feel and not open it. 
I felt that it was constitutionally impossible for someone to get a small box in the mail and not be inspired to open it. That's Jan Brandt on an episode of the Internet History Podcast. Given that I believe that's true, I'm surprised there's not no more mail terrorism. Well, I think the mail service... Oh, they, they, uh, they smoke it out, yeah. Yeah, like the, it happens, but it's a risky endeavor. Because I just fucking open anything. I do not. Like, if I get a package in the mail that I know is junk mail, I still don't fucking open it because there's just going to be junk inside that I don't want. I open... I rarely open my mail but the two to three times a year i sit down and muscle through it i open every fucking piece i just i i just opened my mail and there was a 40 dollar check from the gas company from yeah. my last apartment so open your mail chet it, i just moved i should probably get my mail forwarded i haven't okay we're getting so in 1993 is when this campaign kicked off and these direct mail campaigns it kicked off in the summer of 1993 these campaigns usually get a 2 to 3% response rate. And even when I read that, I was like, that is a successful campaign gets 2 to 3. That is not the average. Like, a lot of right. campaigns eat it. But they have to, like, generate some response or people wouldn't do it. It's yeah. like Nigerian email scams. Those, I think, are like 1 to 2% also. But that 1 to 2% pays off. In this particular campaign, 10% response rate pretty pretty good so it was it was one of the most successful direct mail campaigns ever and they didn't just mail these discs to people they put them everywhere oh yeah they were like checkout lines and shit where you could just like take them yeah i remember them being in checkout lines i remember them being at best buy uh i remember them being at blockbuster they used to be glued or taped to different things in stores yeah they would be in magazines. They would be in fucking oh, yeah, video games. They talk in a couple of articles about how at one point they wanted to partner with Omaha Steaks and send AOL discs in the mail with Omaha Steaks. But those things come frozen. So they had to flash freeze a floppy disk and then thaw it out and see if it would still work before they could partner with Omaha Steaks. And it did work. It did. It did. So they partnered with Omaha Steaks. You ever had an Omaha Steak? I have. Fine or what? They're fine. I mean, steak is good. Yeah. Okay. But uh, you can just go to the grocery store and get steak. Also, that's, that's what I do. I guess if you're living in one of those food desert kind of areas, I mean, then you're probably not affording Omaha steaks anyway. We don't. We don't deprive people of food in rich areas. Yeah, no. Why would we do that? I get my steak at the farmer's market like a normal person. I do not. So, with this 10% response rate... And they're sending that to all of fucking America. Kids, pets, anyone. Man, when my dog got AOL, I was like... Good puppy! That is some fucked up cat shit you're looking at, buddy. This is a quote about the Omaha Steaks thing. We packaged floppies into packages of Omaha Steaks. What we had to do was flash freeze the floppy, thaw it out, because it had to travel with flash frozen meat. Then we had to thaw it out and see if it still worked. And it did. That's also from the Internet Flash History Podcast. The floppy meats. And this was wildly fucking successful. Uh, this is a quote from AOL CEO Steve Case, which uh, a lot of this information, interestingly enough, comes from a thread on the website Quora in 2010. A user of that site posted the question, how much did it cost to send out all of those AOL disks? And not only did AOL CEO Steve Case respond, but Jan Brandt 
responded also. And that's where a lot of what we know about the thinking behind that campaign came from, which is that's interesting because I feel like there's not a lot of books about this out there. So it's it feels like just a sort of chance thing that someone asked that question unless Quoro like reached out ahead of time and was like, we're going to ask this question. Also, AOL is doing some shitty stuff on the books that we'll get to that make might make it harder to track down the accurate numbers. Right. So this is a quote from Steve Case from that Quora thread. When we went public in 1992, we had less than 200,000 subscribers. A decade later, the number was in the 25 million range. I can't believe there were 200,000 subscribers in 92. I know. Well, uh, how, I ma- how many would you guess? How many dial-up subscribers would you guess there are now? More than 200,000. There are, the last anyone checked, which I think was around 2017. Probably still a million. Uh, it's around 2.1 million. Anywhere from 1.5 to 2.1 are the estimates I've seen. Well, people forget that high-speed internet is still not a thing everywhere. Well, there it's, are it's, so much, so many rural farm towns that don't have It's it. a rural broadband access thing. And I have sort of a conspiracy theory about that because we'll just, spoiler alert, what we're talking about on the next episode is stormfront.org which uh, was one of the first internet hate sites, possibly the first internet hate site, uh, launched right along the same time as AOL. And one of the things you'll notice about any right-wing website or far-right website... Is how everything's factually correct? uh, Not just that, (laughs) but the, the thing you'll notice is they all still kind of look like 90s websites. Oh, so they're and accessible I, and easily downloadable. Yes, I think it's because they want to still be the fastest websites for those people still using dial-up and shitty internet connections. I don't think that's a conspiracy. I just think that smart tech on their stem. And it is stem. smart because if you're in one of those areas, like, when one of their articles loads and then you go to read the rebuttal on fucking Politico and it takes 25 minutes to load because there's you got to download 15 the different version of pop up and- ads. And like, I think it's an, I think that's part of what these right wing websites do is they intentionally kind of scale back on the bells and whistles to keep it easy for rural users to access their content. And yeah, like AOL, I mean, not necessarily AOL, but kind of AOL because AOL was so instrumental in not just building their base, but just the base of internet users in general. And it's obviously not their intention and they're not, I don't think, to be held accountable for it in any way. But yeah, some of the collateral damage from that is that they gave a, a burgeoning platform to groups that are notorious for exploiting new technology and using it to spread their message. And I've tried to make all of the episodes in this podcast so far kind of flow into each other. And next week's will too, because we're talking about today, the rise of the internet. And then we're talking about the rise of hate on the internet. If you're somebody running like a hate speech website or some other awful type of website and you needed to store like files and you didn't want the government, like, if they crashed your place to find them, wouldn't it be kind of smart to just wipe a bunch of AOL disks clean and then burn your shit on those? 
Because it's going to go through your stack of thousand hour free discs. Yeah, that would be a pretty smart because you could also reseal them pretty easy and make it look like you could be like, I'm just one of those crazy motherfuckers that collects these, which we'll get to that. People do collect these now. And I kind of get it, but we'll talk about it. But uh, yeah, it wouldn't be the worst hiding place. Where are we going to hide all our documents? Uh, I can't say that into the microphone. Uh, I have hidden all of mine at Chet Wilde's apartment. So the new one, not the old one. Both. Okay. So if the feds need anything, go there. You know where I'm gonna I don't hide. know what the feds would need from you. Me. Know, you know where I'm gonna hide mine? In your butt. Oh ah! chat! Ah, oh, you only hit the what are the other ones? So yeah, they at one point were registering a new user every six seconds. That's a lot. Considering that, it's high speed or, or fucking dial up. That is a whole lot. At the time of their IPO, the company was worth around $70 million. A few years into the campaign, they were worth $150 billion. Adjusted for inflation, that's like $220 billion today. That is a lot of fucking coin. That, that's a lot of discs. And they, I think, spent, uh, it's in the notes here, Thirty-five. they spent $35 per customer on this campaign and each customer would spend an average of $350 throughout their lifetime. So it was, it was pretty lucrative, especially when you consider the racking up six, every six seconds, a new customer. If my math is correct, it's 10 a minute. I think you're one off. If you had a customer every six seconds, that'd be nine customers. (laughs) (laughs) Like 69. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they they also spent a ton of money producing these, as you'd imagine. Did they? Uh, some estimates put the figure at close to a billion dollars. Uh, Jan Brandt actually agreed with that figure when it came up on the internet. Well, History they fucked podcast. some shit up when they're like, "We need more CDs." It's like, "Sorry, music industry, we're shutting you down." Yeah, they they mention also in that same Quora thread at one point. of the CDs that were produced worldwide had an AOL logo on them. Also, when they launched AOL 4.0 in 1998, for a couple of weeks, AOL used all of the worldwide CD production to make those discs. Meaning for a few weeks in 1998, no fucking Backstreet Boys CDs were made. None of your precious Microsoft discs. None of your video games. None of that shit. Just AOL discs for weeks. Imagine working at that plant and the the one highlight of your day is all this cool shit. I mean, we're probably talking about kids working for 35 cents an hour who've since committed suicide. But theoretically, Mm. let's say you enjoyed your job at a CD printing plant and your whole thing is seeing all the cool stuff that comes your way every day. And now for months on end, it's just fucking AOL 4.0. And all you want is internet, but you can't afford it. But you have to see how everyone else is getting it. Yeah. Yeah. Harsh. Take a free disc, bro. Yeah. Take a disc. Go put it in your computer at home. So, yeah, that's a lot of fucking discs. And I mean, unsurprisingly, there was a campaign to send them all back at one point, which I don't know if it worked because this happened in 2002. I found a few different articles about it. Uh, It happened in 2002. Uh, two California men, Jim McKenna and John Lieberman, launched a campaign to get AOL to stop sending discs 
to people. They're like, we don't want these discs in landfills, so we're going to send them directly back to AOL to make them the middleman to then put them in landfills. Or maybe AOL would recycle them. And well, I think they were more out. hoping that AOL would take it as a message that people really didn't want to get these discs anymore, which by 2002, why are they sending them out anyway? Because by then we had internet service providers. Well, I would say, and that is the thing that ends up kind of killing this campaign. Well, that was the at that time they were literally sending out five hundred and a thousand free hours, and I think that wasn't meant for dial-up people at that point. That was targeted at people that had high-speed ISPs because they knew, like, well, no one would just pay for AOL if they're already paying for the other internet. But if they, if like, if, if I recall correctly, like AOL's interface and usability was a lot smoother than like whatever time warner or, oh yeah uh, what was it before time warner the fucking uh, well i think those were all like local cable companies yeah um whatever the uh but uh, Delphia, that was the fucking one in in upstate new york um they wanted you to still use their services and be like pay extra for this because instant messenger and whatever you know yeah yeah it was that that is the thing that ends up killing this campaign off is we just changed the way we access internet, high-speed internet, killed it off. But like we mentioned, people do still use it. But I don't know if this campaign worked. Uh, at the time these articles were written in 2002, these two had gathered around 80,000 discs, but their goal was to uh, send back a million. And like so many other stories from the internet back then, no one fucking followed up. It's just... The, the there was ge- attention generated around them launching this campaign, but uh, I couldn't find anything confirming that they ever just dumped a million CDs on AOL's doorstep, which would have been great. Yeah, but I also feel like we would know. Like I feel like that part would have become like national. Like we would re- we somewhere we probably like I still remember the episode of Murphy Brown where they dumped potatoes on the White House lawn. Like I would remember if at some point in my history there were images of millions of discs getting dumped on aol i never steps. saw that episode but i assume it was tied to the vice president's spelling of potato yeah yeah remember when that could fucking dismiss you from running for office yeah i think it, i mean we blame it on that but i think it was also his stance on single moms where he like that was his problem with murphy brown was that showing single moms on tv was immoral and led to the decay of the family we should talk about that fucking guy on this podcast get him on the pod he's not doing anything dan quayle he's still around yeah we should i am legit gonna try and get dan quayle on this podcast couldn't i want him to sit in this glittery cocaine den with the iron giant and the coat hangers flag which is actually a gift bag uh i thought that was powdered sugar we're gonna make it happen i don't actually do cocaine i don't have that kind of money fucking kidding me they're putting fentanyl in that stuff these days is this episode out for free Because you could help support Adam's cocaine cause in the future (laughs) by subscribing at patreon.com slash unpops. So one of the things that didn't come up much, well, it came up in the Quora thread also, but not the AOL executives weren't the one mentioning it. But there was some shadiness behind this campaign in terms of accounting practices. Yeah. And to the point that they got in trouble with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Well, if you told your investors we're spending a billion dollars on giving free services, they'd be like, whoa, what the fuck? But if you you flip it and you're like, 
it's a it's an investment in the future. What how how I don't have the notes in front of me. How the fuck did they frame it? What they did when you are when you rack up advertising costs, you're supposed to immediately expense those and write them down as an expense in your books, especially if you're dealing with shareholders and investors and things. And what AOL did instead, I do have the exact term in the notes, and I'll link to the SEC filing on the website. Uh, What AOL did instead was log these expenses as deferred membership acquisition costs and reported these costs on their balance sheet as assets. So basically, I think what they were doing is, well, because we're printing up physical CDs that we're planning to mail out. That's an asset of ours. Those are things we own and we can just write them down that way. And they couldn't like they should have written that down as an expense, which would have drastically impacted what that company was worth. I would think because they were spending so much money sending these discs out and the you're right. The figures on what they spent for real are hard to know for sure because of that. Because they kind of hit it and then had to pay a fine over it. I wonder if AOL and the government were in bed together in any way, shape, or form, given like just how much fucking money they gave the postal service. Right? It, well, Don't you yeah. gotta pay shipping for? Oh yeah, they and and they had to pay and to make the CDs. Packages. Yeah, they. <clears throat> I don't know if there's some sort of arrangement businesses that do mass mailings can make with the post office. I'm assuming they don't show up at the post office with a bag of fucking CDs and dump them on the counter. So the clear, although I did that, that with be, my fastball posters and t-shirts, they did not like that. They are not happy when you do that. Why didn't you use the kiosk? Be a gentleman. I didn't fucking know about this stuff. You got directions. I, I don't read. You think you're going to stand in front of a mailbox kiosk and it's going to be like, do something. No, it's going to tell you what to do. I, I don't think my post office had a kiosk. It does. All of them do. They have forever. Well, where you live, maybe not. No, seriously, there wasn't. <laughs> Those services make it their last. There's a guy with his, Thanks, America. There's a guy with a cart that's always yelling at you to buy stamps. I do need to buy stamps. I have to mail out more birthday cards this week. All right. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, they got in trouble with the SEC for this, but it kind of worked out. Like, I feel like their investors still made a significant amount of money, especially if you got in at that time, which this... SEC thing happened, I think, in like 95, 96, and we were all distracted by Tupac getting killed anyway. So then the president got a blowjob. So BJ. Simpler times. Yeah, that's all Bill Clinton ever did. So one thing that has popped up around these discs, which is really interesting, is they are collectible now. Not collectible in that they're worth money. I went on eBay and looked, and they, I don't think I saw a single one that was listed for more than $10. But I almost like that better. I like when people are collecting shit just because who else is doing it? And there's a 2015 Vice article called Inside the Intense Insular World of AOL Disc Collecting. Sounds exciting. Uh, by Ariel Pardis. And yeah, typical Vice article. That headline makes it sound very, very exciting when in fact there are like five or six people, at least back then, who were collecting these things. But I get it. They are There's so many of them and collecting them is easy because they're not, you're not going to find one that is going to cost a ton of money if you're one of only a few people collecting them. 
you're just going to find them and be like, oh, that's one I don't have. Some of them are kind of neat. They got like different movie themed ones and TV shows. Like there were all sorts of promotions because they would partner up with people too. And yeah, and there's brands and- one of the women they interview in that article. Uh, her name is Sloan Klein, and she is believed to be the preeminent AOL disc collector in the United States. She has more than 4,000 discs, and that was as of 2015. Uh, and her favorite is this Marvel Spider-Man disc, which is actually kind of cool. And the a lot of them are neat. There's a Mad Magazine one that is apparently pretty collectible. Uh, if you look at the Vice article, there's a Magic Johnson one, but it's not Magic Johnson. It's like this painting of a dude with a basketball for a head, mm. but it looks like art. My favorite one was the Pamela Anderson Playboy right after her sex tape came out. And inside the Playboy, it came with 53 hours of AOL and a little Jergens packet. Do you remember? I do remember, remember that. that. Yeah, yeah. That's- that was, yeah, they, ha- they had to test the disc to make sure if you jizzed on it, it would still work. And it did. Yeah. They had Tommy Lee do it. <laughs> so uh, it broke the disc. Yeah, those, those, but uh, once they the taped it back together. <laughs> were actually larger than the other ones. There. Oh, gross. Fucking. People were doing fucking. Yeah. In the 90s. Fucking on the. Man, make it a sex tape in the 90s. You had to like hold like a giant fucking camcorder. Yeah, you had to hire a crew. It was a whole to do. You got fucking union credits <laughs> filming <laughs> sex tapes back IMPBs. then. There's people in the Writers Guild or the Actors, Screen Actors Guild for filming sex tapes in the 90s. Yeah. So, yeah, these discs, people collect them now. The article is really interesting just because you. I, I'm fascinated by the idea of people collecting things that aren't worth it. Do you collect anything? Is there anything you collect on Pops episodes that I'm on? Is there anything for real that you collect? Mm, no, no. I mean, like I've started collecting Mariah Carey. Yeah, albums. like I, I used to collect baseball cards. We talked about that. Like but. I have a lot of books, and I am starting to get into vinyl. But like, I don't, I don't consider myself collecting. There's nothing that I need like a set. Yeah. Like the thing about collecting AOL CDs is I move a lot and I wouldn't want to move 4,000 AOL CDs every time I moved. That would get to be. You could just mail them. Yeah. Individually. (laughs) Mail them one by one to myself. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Oh man. Instead of Iron Gianting people, which, oh, quick aside, you tried to Iron Giant me on the last episode and I got at least a dozen people that tweeted me or DM me or somebody contacted me through my website form which has never happened in like two years <laughs> i asked every single person to fucking dm me their address out of 12 maybe 15 people only one person had the balls to give me a mailing address so all you fucks want my copy of iron giant you want to borrow it one guy's getting it are you gonna mail it to that one person yeah of course that's great and then but instead of him mailing it back to me if anyone else gives me that address i'll give him the address, and we'll start an Iron Giant You should chain. send him a, a postage-paid envelope with it yeah. so he can just write the next address yeah. on it. Pay it forward, Iron Giant edition. Let's do it. It's how the Smashing Pumpkins promoted the Machina 2 album. They just encourage people to make copies and mail them to other people. You can be the Billy, the Co- Billy Corgan. You can be the Billy Corgan of Iron Giant. And then buy my own wrestling promotion. And go and on. run the NWA Alliance. And or National Wrestling Alliance. Go on InfoWars. With Alex Jones. Did he? Yeah. 
Billy Corgan, he sure did. Uh, yeah, and that that kind of makes a good segue into what we're talking about next week. But I should also mention, if you want to see any of these discs, you could obviously just Google AOL discs. But also, the Internet Archive Project has a huge collection of them online. It's a project spearheaded by a guy named Jason Scott. He's attempting to document and preserve as many AOL discs as he can, but also just promotional CD-ROMs, which were so fucking huge. I think AOL is the reason why CD-ROMs became such a promotional tool, but they were like in cereal boxes. Like everything came with some bullshit CD-ROM that when you put it in your computer, it was pretty worthless. Like you had to pay to get something cool out of it. But this Internet Archive Project is trying to collect as many of them as possible. So if you have one, maybe reach out and send them one. And the site is really interesting. If you just Google Internet Archive Project AOL Discs, it'll come up. But we'll link to it on the website also. But each one, they have a high-resolution scan of the disc and any of the artwork. But then there's also a disc image meaning you can download the contents of the CD also, which unless you have a 1990s computer, it's not going to work. We should probably hit up some comedian friends. I'm sure there's some out there that still have a laptop from 1997 that they're setting up their old desktop machines and coffee shops. Yeah. But uh, yeah, those discs are online and it, I get why people collect them and why people want to preserve them. These are the things that kind of, launched the internet or made the internet like how much longer would it have taken the internet to grow into what it did without AOL sending every person not just in America but on the fucking planet because these collections like people have foreign AOL discs that come from overseas and like how much it would have taken the internet so much longer to grow without AOL doing that i'm curious if we have listeners that are still on aol like what is the incentive for anybody to still be on aol minus aversion to change how would a listener i mean i guess you would listen on your phone but no i'm just saying do we have listeners that still utilize aol email addresses or, oh AOL, or AOL email service? addresses yeah. well there are i think there's a lot of people out there who've just had an email address they've been using for so long like i know people with hotmail addresses still and I think I know a couple people with AOL emails. Well, the AOL emails are the only people that I get viruses from like twice a year or virus attempts or they're just emails get hacked. Oh, yeah. I could see that. Maybe. Remember, remember chain emails? That was a big thing, too. Yeah, chain emails. Uh, if you don't forward this to 90 people, you're going to die next year or whatever. And here's the thing. People died. Yeah. People fucking died from not forwarding those chain emails. No, they died from forwarding those emails and I fucking killed them. Oh, Nice. Don't forward me your chain mail bullshit. So, yeah, AOL discs. There's still not a ton of information out there about them. I'll link to, if I think the most interesting uh, source for more information about them, and this is uncharacteristic of me, but I would recommend another podcast called the Internet History Podcast that Jan Brandt appeared on. And here's the thing. A little more characteristic of you me. You can tell people I host it. I don't know why you're not dropping that part. Oh, well, I was going to say I haven't listened to it. There's just a transcript of it out on the internet. Yeah, it's, and my, it's, it's my non on Pop's pod. It's very interesting. And uh, go out and listen to that if you want to hear the woman who was responsible for making this campaign happen. Talk about it more in her own words. And if you want to hear Dan Quayle talk, uh, tune in soon. 
tweet at Dan Quayle and ask. No, don't, because then he won't come on. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, next week, because again, we've been trying to make these episodes sort of flow in to each other and uh, thematically make sense. Uh, we're talking about the rise of right wing hate on the Internet on next week's episode. And I think that might actually end up being a multiple part thing because right wing extremism was such a problem in the 90s. Do you think we're going to get targeted for putting this pot out? Maybe uh, we'll get some hate tweets. I, I don't give a fuck about a hate tweet. Bring it on. You can hate tweet me all goddamn day. Hate I don't mail. have notifications on my phone. I can mute any fucking word on Twitter I want. I blocked Chris D'Elia on Twitter the other day. You know why? Because fuck Chris D'Elia. I don't follow him, so I never see his tweets, but people retweet him, and every time I see a tweet from him, I'm like, shut up. Is it political? Nope. It was, uh, I think he was mad about Instagram influencers. It's like, shut up, you rich fuck stick. So I just blocked him, and now my life is Chris D'Elia free. That's how Twitter can be. You don't have to listen. That will be a thing we talk about next week. You say your wife's Chris D'Elia free, but in the six years I've known you, I've never heard you mention Chris D'Elia, and now you talk about him all the time. <laughs> now I'll mention him even less. <laughs> and the, that does come up on next week's episode when talking about those early internet hate sites. We're especially and mostly next week talking about stormfront.org, which was... Ground zero for hate on the internet. They were the earliest and best. Is that the way to put it? Probably not. Most prominent. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, so that's what we're, we're talking about next week. And one of the things that comes up is the idea that those sites in part succeeded and grew the way they did because of antagonists which were people who would jump in those forums and go, racism is wrong. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, what, why are you, helping. why, why are you stirring the pot? Nothing good has come of internet comments ever. And boy, have we learned our lesson though. No, like, we I don't definitely think we haven't we, learned. We Most definitely people haven't learned their lesson. That's, that's the my, pro- oh, that's my point. Oh, you're being facetious. Yeah, no, we have not learned our lesson whatsoever. Uh, and we'll talk about it, but that's for next week. And you then got- after that, I think we're going to talk about, uh, we might do an episode about Waco, Ruby Ridge, and Oklahoma City, but I think we'll combine them all into one episode. And if we got time, I'll tell my Alec Baldwin story finally. So in the meantime, that's our episode now. Go to unpops.com and we'll link to uh, more sources where you can uh, check out more information about these fucking AOL discs. Not a ton of information about what environmental impact they did have. That's one thing I tried to research and couldn't find a lot about. There were people mad that they were filling landfills, but there wasn't like water levels have risen three feet in Indonesia because of these discs. Like there was none of that shit out there. Although I'm sure that's exactly what happened. But uh, that's our episode. You could freeze the discs. Maybe we could supplement some of these melting glaciers with frozen discs and Omaha steaks. That's not a bad idea. I bring my best work at the end of the pod. So what do we have to plug before we get out of here? I mean, I chill at all. Alec Baldwin story, but apparently I don't. God damn you sucking out of chili. Motherfuck. Why, that's going to be replaying in my head all day now. Little Diddy. About Jack. Nah. Hey. Hey. Two American kids on them in our land. Jack going to be a football star. 
Diane gonna get hit by his fucking car. Say goodbye, car. Adam. Adam, say goodbye. Oh, yeah. Say goodbye. Life goes on. Say goodbye. Oh, no after the real. Who's left? Hit. Go. Oh, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, we love you. We love you.